This is Jake. Thank you again for tuning in. You're about to listen to my conversation with Alex Dudok DeVitt on the animated shorts category, and then I'll cover the animated feature category on my own. I just wanted to plug first that this podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere you might listen to podcasts, you can find this. If you like what you're hearing and you don't mind subscribing and leaving a five-star review, it'll really help me as far as people who might want to listen to this being able to find it. So thank you so much for that. Without any further ado, here's my episode on the animated categories. The short films and feature animation branch oversees the short film categories. For best animated short film, here are the nominees. Shara, daughter. Hair Love. Kitbull. Memorable. And Sister. Do you have a sister? I do not. Mm. I'm really excited for this one. Alex Dudok DeVitt is one of the leading journalists covering animated shorts. And this is one of my favorite categories every year. So I'm thrilled to be joined by him. Alex, thanks so much for making the time. Yeah, thank you for, for bringing me on, Jake. It's an honor. So as anybody listening to this has kind of figured out, this is an Oscar completist podcast. Every year, trying to see every single movie. And one of the great services that I discovered this year is work that Alex does for Cartoon Brew, aggregating really early on what films are in the mix and eligible for Oscar nominations and, and aggregating them online. It's allowed me to see way more of these films than I've ever seen in the past. Alex, first of all, thank you for that uh, service, which I've found to be an awesome resource. But how do you go about kind of determining what the films are that will be in the mix and and kind of aggregating those throughout the year? Yeah, so, well, firstly, I should say that I do this with my colleague, Amida Midi, who is the editor-in-chief of Cartoon Brew. Um, and between us, we basically, so there, there's two ways, well, there's, actually three ways that a short film can qualify for the animated shorts category of the Oscars. One is that it can win a, an award at the um, Academy's like, student awards, which is quite rare. Not many awards, not many films go through that route. More commonly, they qualify by winning a prize at one of the established animation festivals around the world or through a public exhibition in LA County, which means that they have to play for at least five days or seven days, I can't remember, in um, a cinema in Los Angeles. And so, yeah, those last two routes to qualification are the ones that um, account for the vast majority of the films. So basically it's just grunt work. I mean, uh, this year my colleague Amid kept an eye on all of the uh, LA screenings of shorts and he compiled, you know, as accurately as he could a list of the ones that had qualified that way. And then he also depended to some extent on feedback from distributors and filmmakers, uh, you know, about whether his list was accurate or not. Um, and then I just went through every single one of the qualifying awards and looked at what had won this year. Um, then you need to take in a few factors as well. Like if it qualified last year, it doesn't qualify again this year, even if it wins a, an award and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we came to a list of, um, shorts that had qualified which came to i think 92 or 93 uh and then we published that um and the idea is to just you know the academy obviously has its own internal list of the qualified shorts which it sends out to to voters the voters then pick the you know the short lists and then the nominees 
but the academy doesn't make that list public uh, and so we're trying to go with public information to cr to kind of recreate that list just to put it out there and get people talking early on about you know what who's in the running um, and and hopefully to you know bring to public attention the fact that smaller films things that are not pixar things that are not national film board of canada have also qualified that's first of all that's that's remarkable that's a crazy amount of work um it sounds like but it is interesting that you bring up not pixar not kind of the large studio films because that is really how it sort of played out this year as far as what the final nominees were do you sense is this a, a permanent shift? Is it just sort of a dynamic of of kind of the films that happen to have been submitted this year? Um, well, so I mean, in a professional capacity, I've been looking at the Oscars for I've been following this category for some years, uh, and in the years I've been following it, the last you know six or seven years, it, this dynamic has been pretty much in place. So there's always a spot effectively reserved for a Pixar film. Um, if it, if Disney has created a short, it often gets a nomination as well. National Film Board of Canada, which is the biggest producer of um, artistic, in quote marks, uh, animated shorts in the world. I say biggest, I should say most high profile. They have, a, they tend to have a nomination uh, if they have a film in the running. Um, and then sometimes there's a few slots kind of reserved for more left field choices. Uh, DreamWorks, you know, Google Spotlight has now shut down, but for a few years, Google was producing short films, which were effectively VR films, but had a theatrical version as well. Yeah, like Age of Sail. Age of Sail, and what was the other one called in the car? I can't remember. But anyway. Oh, I remember that too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they tend to get their they tend to get their spots in. I mean, it, it's nice to think of the short world as this kind of, uh, like, beautiful utopia untainted by the... <laughs> demands of business and all of that where money doesn't matter and artistic expression is completely free um but you know it, it, in practice it's not really like that and uh people who know how to play the awards campaign game tend to get their films nominated so yeah pixar obviously knows how to do that the national film board at nfb knows how to do that and then you have these more independent films like this year a good example is um daughter which nevertheless have been picked up by a publicist, a campaigner, someone with experience of the, the campaign game way in advance and promoted heavily to uh, voters, most of whom are concentrated in California. And then Daughter ends up getting nominated and it's by no means a big studio film, but it has a, an almost equivalent kind of support at mm. the kind of shortlist level. Um, and that more than anything determines this category It's basically, do you have a publicity uh, machine <laughs> around your film? And if you don't, it's very unlikely you'll get nominated. And I believe that's a shift in the last 10 years or so. If you look back to, you know, the 90s, the, it's, the category is way more eclectic and way more left field and big studios weren't really producing short films in the way they are now. Yeah, it makes sense. And definitely, I think the political part of it that you're talking about seems to me to be a pretty direct explanation for Kobe Bryant a couple years ago, but that might just be my own opinion. Yeah, the, the, yeah the, probably the most like uh, the most widely hated winner uh, in that or any category of the Oscars um, in many, many years for various reasons. 
I'm glad I'm not alone with that. Overall, <laughs> like, is your experience, does the voting body vote, do they kind of weight more heavily in one direction toward either animation technique or storytelling, or is it kind of a mix of both? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, like I just said, I think the, the primary factor is whether it's got a publicity machine around it. And inevitably, um, that, you know, that then it comes down to what sorts of films are being produced by the big the big players uh, with that kind of publicity money and, and political expertise. And Pixar tends to produce um, CG films, but this year they, they've submitted, well, they submitted a couple of films and the one that ended up getting nominated is actually a hand-drawn film, Kitbull. So unusually, the, the, you know, the standard Pixar entry is not uh, CGI. Uh, then normally DreamWorks would produce a CGI film Disney has tended to produce um, 2D ones recently. The National Film Board of Canada is totally eclectic, so you know it can vary from year to year. I don't think, I don't think the Academy necessarily, you know, I think they see beyond the technique. Um, these are experienced animators and technicians and people who watch a lot of films. And I don't think they're blinded or dazzled by CGI as such. Um, and yeah, this year we've got three stop motion films, which is unusual, but shows you know, to what extent they're happy to embrace any medium of animation. Um, when it comes to stories, yeah, I think there's definitely a type of story that plays well with, with the Academy. Um, <laughs> there's often a film every year, there tends to be one film at least about like a little old man or a little old woman <laughs> uh, sweetly losing their mind or, you know, something kind of nostalgic and wistful that focuses on old age. And I don't think it's a big leap to say that, you know, the Academy are mostly overwhelmingly, predominantly old. <laughs> funny how that works. It's funny how that works. I mean, that's changing. They're, they're making strides and trying to bring in new members and new blood, but still it's an old organization. And uh, I can see why they would identify with the story about, you know, Alzheimer's. They probably know someone who's had it or something. This year, memorable is an obvious, um, obviously fits that bill um this year's interesting actually like the real running theme among the five nominees or especially the four nominees apart from kitball they're all about these kind of very intimate um family dynamics you know one's called sister and it's about a boy and his imaginary sister one's called daughter and it's about you know a woman's relationship with her father one's called uh, what the memorable is about a, an ailing man who has a uh, dementia and his wife um what's the what's the other one now i can't remember but um yeah they're, they're all the, 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 the there's that particular salient theme this year and i don't know what it's about i don't know if we can really speak about a trend it might just be a coincidence yeah it seems i mean even expanding into the shortlist the ones that didn't make the final five but you have uncle thomas um hair love like these are all sort of along those <laughs> same lines hair love hair love made the nominations there since oh that. right yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the fact that there is a story definitely works in a film's favor. Like, they don't really tend to reward non-narrative films at the Academy. So there has to be a story, <laughs> broadly speaking. But, um, yeah, beyond that, then, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think, sadly, like, story wins out or medium or, tech, you know, technical brilliance wins out. I think it's really, to a large extent, money and exposure wins out. 
of of the five that were nominated, do you have a sense, um, like sort of reading the temperature of of the Academy and how the race is going, if there's a favorite in in the mix, or if, if you think there's one that's that's maybe more likely to to come away with the Oscar? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I haven't looked at odds. I don't know if people really bet on the category that much. But, um, <laughs> Um, I, I wrote this on Cartoon Brew. I think the the most likely to win is Her Love. Um, Her Love's an interesting one. It's it's somewhere between an independent film and a studio film. It started life as an independent film. Um, the director, Matthew Cherry, who used to be an NFL player, uh, and then entered filmmaking through live action. Why not? Yeah, why the hell not? Um, he basically launched the film on kickstarter and he, he got a lot more money than he was expecting through that and then sony pictures animation who um ha- have these this quite kind of eclectic taste really they're the ones who made the, the spider-man film that won um the animated feature oscar last year they they noticed this film on kickstarter and they jumped in and uh basically picked it up for distribution and then they played it in front of their film uh, the angry birds movie uh, two <laughs> quite a weird pairing but they, a little they, different yeah and so even though you know originally it had that initiative of independent filmmaking as far as oscar campaigning goes it's a it's a big studio effort because sony have put their whole machine behind it so it has that going for it and um you know not to be too cynical kind of yeah not cynical about it but the fact that it's a story that touches on the kind of hot button issue of diversity, you know, it's an African-American dad learning how to um, basically comb his daughter's unruly hair, I think works in its favor as well, because um, the Oscars are obviously at pains at the moment to show that they embrace diversity or recognize, you know, the validity of all kinds of different stories. So it's got that going for it. And it's, it's a sweet, straightforward and, nice story i don't think it's a brilliant film i don't think the animation is um particularly slick or sophisticated or, or interesting but it's just a very like nicely done film which you know whose message is obvious and that could definitely work in its favor if if it doesn't win it would the award would probably go to pixar um, because it's pixar mm-hmm. um and the other three i think would probably be they're probably happy just to be nominated but you don't know i mean it's not quite a lockdown this category is not a lockdown in the way that um the animated feature oscar is where pixar and disney win year after year after year after year the shorts can go off in a unpredictable direction sometimes yeah and it it feels to me i mean without really being tied into the industry at all but just sort of i guess my experience watching the films maybe and evaluating them like it seems like you know some of bow and piper and some of the prior years where it kind of felt like it was in the bag um I don't know if Kipple feels like that to me, but again, I don't, I'm not really speaking from a place of knowing anything. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm going to go afterwards and look at the betting odds. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I live in the UK and we, we bet a lot here and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure someone somewhere has come up with some odds. Yeah. Yeah. People, people can bet on anything. Um, yeah. So there was obviously kind of a short list of 10 and then you listed 90 something movies on the website yeah. Any any favorites? Anything that you were hoping to have seen recognized this year that that didn't either make the shortlist or didn't make the final five? Yeah, loads. I mean, to be honest, my favorite animated short of the whole year is one that didn't even make the shortlist because it didn't win any of the qualifying awards um, and it wasn't played in in Los Angeles. And it's called um, Movements, 
It's by a young South Korean called uh, Dahae Jung. Um, and she basically made this strange, surreal and very funny meditation on time and movement and the way we perceive time and its relativity. And that sounds just really dry and theoretical, but she does it with so much wit and flair. It's, you know, it's one of those films where you sit up in a festival and just think, what the hell is this? And you laugh. Um, and I saw it at Annecy, which is the big showcase for animation um, last June. I just thought this was a masterpiece. But then it didn't, yeah, it was a bit too offbeat, I guess, <laughs> to win <laughs> any of the awards it needed to win. So that was a shame. And then I think among the shortlisted films, I was really hoping um, Uncle Thomas, Accounting for the Days, would yeah. shot at a nomination, but it wasn't to be. That's an NFB production by Regina Pessoa, who's this just outrageously talented, um, you know, uh, she's a Portuguese filmmaker, animator with this really striking graphic style, lots of shading and volume on all the characters and lots of detail. And this is a, yeah, yeah, another kind of intimate family story about her and her eccentric uncle who, who taught her to draw. Um, and it's beautifully put together and incredibly polished and has all of the, you know, it really meets the NFB's high production standards. She's much loved in the animation world, and I thought that she would have some traction with the Academy, but yeah, she didn't get nominated. I really love that one. Yeah, I love the storytelling and, and the way that they were able to kind of use the child's perspective in terms of seeing seeing the uncle's illness kind of through her more innocent eyes. I thought that was effective, and I really loved Mind, 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 too. I don't. What did you think of that one? Mind, 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 I liked, yeah. I wasn't bowled over by it, but it was a very sincere film with, um, yeah, uh, it, it was... So yeah, for, for for listeners, it's a film about um, uh, a kind of young adult teenager who probably has uh, some form of autism, or um, it's implied that he has you know impairment in how he can socialize with others, and so it kind of like tracks his attempts to find friends and, and a girlfriend. Uh, it has elements of Inside Out because you keep jumping into his mind and seeing the little control center with this little bloke who's like fiddling around with buttons and stuff. And I, I thought, yeah, I thought it was a nice film. Um, what what got in the way for me was the voice acting, which I found stilted. Mm. That's, That's often fair. a problem with um, with short films, like they don't have a big budget for acting. So yeah, sometimes the, the side is let down there a little bit. But yeah, it was it was a nice film. Having said that, well, I think kind of just just wrapping up. Uh, final question here. Just one of my takes on across the the set of animated shorts this year they seem to skew pretty adult like if i was gonna like sum up the plots it's like mental health sickness china's one child policy <laughs> even kitbull is kind of like about animal abuse is, is animation like for kids just doesn't play with an older crowd or do you think again is this just sort of this year and maybe next year will be a bunch of pipers yeah well i mean yeah, I don't know. Um, it's true that the Pixar film is dark-ish by Pixar standards. But, you know, earlier I was saying that it would be great if we could see the shorts world as just this kind of blissful nirvana for artists to do whatever they want. And while that's not quite true, it is definitely truer than it is in features. And this this um, assumption that animation is just for kids holds less true in, in short films. So, yeah. 
you know, like if you were looking at the live action shorts category, you wouldn't express surprise that it was full of dark subjects. But I think here it's just because audiences tend to bring that kind of um, bias to animation. I think that it, it has to treat um, young subjects. I mean, with Pixar, obviously, they tend to run their short films before their feature films. So they've got to make them, you know, yeah. friendly, kid friendly. <laughs> you can't be having some stuff about like blood, guts and murder before Toy Story 4, you know. So um, that explains Pixar's approach, maybe. But yeah just to look at the nfb you know the big the big big kind of artistic indie contender they they don't make kids films they do sometimes but that's definitely not their agenda um so yeah i don't know that that that's something that you see from year to year it's never like a it's never a selection of all kids films in the shorts category and that's why i like it well alex i really appreciate you taking the time to uh talk through the category with me and um enjoy the rest of the the season um hope it slows down for you a little and, and appreciate uh appreciate the time yeah it's all good i mean just to come back to something you said at the start i'm flattered that you called me one of the well i think the leading journalists on animation or whatever it was but if that's true it's only because not that many people write about animation <laughs> animated shorts especially and if any of your listeners love that stuff out there then they should start writing about it be it on blogs or you know wherever because i'd love to read what other people think as well so yeah Thank you for letting me say that, giving me the platform to say that. Yeah, well, the, for anybody who's trying to be an Oscar completist, um, this is the uh, really useful resource, what, what Alex puts up on Cartoon Brew. And I found, like, even going back to when I was starting to expand from Best Picture, um, animated shorts is one of the ones that I think people get a, get excited about early when they're sort of discovering some of the less the smaller categories. So hopefully, hopefully that happens and more people do start uh, writing and, and talking about these films. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. Well, thanks again, Alex. Really appreciate it. Cheers, Jake. Best animated feature film is voted on by the short films and feature animation branch, as well as members of the animation community across all branches. Here are the nominees. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I lost my body. <laughs> Klaus. Missing Link. And Toy Story 4. Yay. Shifting attention now to the feature category within animation, this was a pretty weak category, to be honest. I think that especially when you contrast it to how strong the body of film overall was in 2019, this might be one of the weaker categories. Ironically, it's actually a category where I'm okay with a lot of the decisions that the Academy made. I think just the overall body that they were selecting from wasn't as strong as in prior years. And some other categories, I think that they had really strong options and sometimes made the wrong choice, but we'll get to that on other episodes. The five that were nominated ultimately, I Lost My Body, Klaus, Missing Link, How to Train Your Dragon 3, and Toy Story 4. And we'll get into those, but the big one that is missing from that list is Frozen 2. That was a heavy, heavy favorite for a nomination, not necessarily to win, but a lot of people were surprised that Frozen 2 didn't make the cut. I gotta be honest, I'm okay with it. I think that Disney doesn't need my advice, but if I were going to give some advice to Disney, 
in the wake of Frozen 2, and in the wake of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, hire a chief does-this-make-sense officer. Does this plot make remotely any sense? Is it coherent in a basic way? I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I do have an MBA from a decent school. I am 35, and I had no idea what was supposed to be happening in this movie. I can't imagine being seven years old and following this plot, but maybe seven-year-olds don't care. They like the music. They like Ilsa. A more generous way, I guess, to say what I'm saying is that this is ambitious storytelling. Didn't really work for me. I guess it didn't work for the Academy, but I'm happy that Into the Unknown was nominated. That's a jam. Frozen 2, some people loved it, didn't make the cut. Um, I guess I'll cover other movies that were on the outside looking in, and then I'll get into the nominees. Pachamama, this wasn't really expected to make the cut. It's just kind of my one of my favorites of the year. It's a Peruvian uh, animated movie that's on Netflix. It's only an hour, so you can go watch it. And I, I would. It's beautiful. Like the colors, uh, it's just generally really fun to be inside. It's uh, an adventure that's really closely tied with Peruvian culture and mythology about a boy who's going on behalf of his uh, tribe or community to try and advocate with uh, the Incans who are kind of stealing their um output from their land and then also battling with the Spanish Inquisition, but it's very fanciful, um, really nice, and not included here. There were another, uh, there were a number of other international animated films that were potentially going to be in the mix here, starting with Weathering With You from Japan. This was actually their submission in the international feature category, which isn't all that common to have an animated movie be the submission. It also is a little bit tied to a rules change as far as the Academy. But that movie earned more than $300 million worldwide. It's in an anime style. It's about a girl who can control the weather. And it was really well received. And actually, it's it wasn't guaranteed to be nominated by any means. But it there was a very realistic world in which that would have been one of the five nominees. Didn't happen. Neza from China was also the international feature nomination for its country. Its country was China. Um, That's a 3D animated film. It's about a boy who's prophesized to bring destruction to the world and is cast out by the gods, kind of like Anakin Skywalker. Um, But it's a story rooted in classical Chinese mythology, not included here. And then Funan from G-Kids, which distributed uh, My Life as a Zucchini a few years ago, which was a, a nomination. This one is quite heavy. Um, Follows a Cambodian woman in the 70s who's separated from her family after being exiled by the Khmer Rouge regime and forced to work in a labor camp. So not a fun, lighthearted, animated kids film that you would normally expect here, but uh, really well received, also not included here. I think the only other ones to talk about that were not included, I just want to give a shout out to Secret Life of Pets 2 for being about as bad as you can possibly be as a movie. I'm definitely not nominated here. I can't emphasize how lacking of anything remotely interesting this movie is. It is basically 90 minutes of half-baked, poorly conceived skits about lazy pet ideas. This cat's on catnip. Dogs like cars. There are, I really liked the first one. Um, there are a hundred different directions they could have gone with this one that would have been more interesting. One of my candidates for worst movie of the year, definitely not nominated in this category. And then the last conversation I think to have is just about The Lion King, which ran and was nominated in visual effects and not animation. And there were some 
controversy around this. The Golden Globes actually, despite Disney's desires, nominated this in animation. Um, it can be a little dicey to understand, but Hollywood Reporter did an animation roundtable a little while back. And Josh Cooley, who directed Toy Story 4, summed it up, I thought, pretty well. And it, he basically said that this comes down to intent. Like, the intent of animation isn't realism, typically. He makes the comparison that Avengers Endgame, for example, clearly is an animation, but it creates realistic characters in the kind of identical way that The Lion King does. And I found that clarifying as to why Lion King doesn't show up here. Um, we'll talk more about that movie when we cover VFX. But that's enough on what was not nominated. Let's talk about the, the five that were nominated. I'm going to start with Klaus, which was definitely the surprise. I don't think too many people had this in. This is from Netflix. It is a semi-origin story for Santa. It's a, it's a weird origin story for Santa Claus. I'll say not canon. Not, not anywhere in the Santa Claus canon in any way, whoever owns and maintains that. It basically posits that there was a postman who went to the North Pole to try and start a post office in the North Pole and met a woodsman who made toys in honor of his wife who has passed away and then becomes Santa Claus. So take that for what it is. It is beautifully animated. I'll say that. It's from Sergio Pablos, who co-created Despicable Me. He was brought over to basically establish animation for Netflix. This is the first animated feature Netflix has put out. And the hand-drawn animation looks like Disney's Prime. It's, It's really nice to look at. The plot and dialogue are, I would say, substantially flimsier than what you would have seen in a classic Disney film. And the tone's a little weird. I can't decide if it wants to be snarky or down the middle. It has Jason Schwartzman and Norm MacDonald, but it's not edgy per se. Most years, this would not be in the top five. But like I said, this is a pretty weak animated feature category this year, and there's definitely some things to like about Klaus, so I'm not outraged that it's included. I didn't like Frozen 2 that much either. I don't expect it to win, but we'll see. Um, Netflix will probably, they got to put their dollars somewhere and you got to think the Irishman and Marriage Story and Two Popes and some of the other categories might take precedence, but I know they want to establish this animated studio, so they may be fighting on its behalf. Um, How to Train Your Dragon 3 has stunning animation, particularly the hidden worlds of the title. I remember just seeing the trailer last Oscar season and because this was early in the calendar year and when I saw the trailer, I was like, I have to see this in theaters. It looks beautiful. Then, of course, I watched it on a plane, but I did I did appreciate the animation. The story's kind of rushed. There's some depth. There's some depth. Like, it's not um, it's not totally devoid of, of themes. I think the part that worked for me the most is the battle that the character is having about kind of the desire to not hold back those that you care about, even if you stand to lose from them moving on and chasing what they want. That specifically manifests itself in this movie as his pet dragon wanting to go live with another dragon. And he's obviously sad to lose his friend. That subplot is is really nice. The other plot around a dragon poacher who's chasing them is, to me, was tacked on sort of an afterthought. Um, But overall, this this is a nice, solid sequel animated movie um and probably not going to win missing link on the other hand has it was certainly the surprise of the golden globe it won at the golden globe 
I also watched Missing Link on an airplane. Um, it's a stop motion animation. Uh, Hugh Jackman is in. It voices the main character. He's an adventurer uh, who goes to find a Sasquatch, voiced by Zach Galifianakis. And it's kind of a standard plot about an adventurer who has a goal, ends up evolving once he comes in contact with what he's searching for. But the studio, Leica Studios, that made this movie also released Kubo and the Five Strings a few years ago. That was nominated and was hugely ingenuitive. And so I think they have a lot of good equity built up and also probably an awards process built up from that effort. This one's not as good as, as that one. Um, it feels almost more like a Wallace and Gromit story tonally, um, but parts of it I definitely laughed at. It's kind of silly. Story's a little flimsy, but it's enjoyable. And um, again, it won the Golden Globe, so you can't, you can't rule it out, I don't think. The favorite to win, I think, is, is definitely Toy Story 4. Um, in fact, I, I think it almost certainly will win. And it's good. It is really good. Like the Toy Story movies in general just do a wonderful job of honing in on a stage of life and, and reflecting on it. And here, the stage of life that they're focused on is aging. I think maybe like a parent whose kids have grown up and they've moved out and they're trying to figure out kind of where to go from here and, and what their role should be in the world. This is explored through Woody and how he copes with feeling like he's outlived his usefulness. Um, that's really the core driver of the plot. Buzz Lightyear takes a backseat here. There's some new characters. That part all holds up. Where you don't get any points, I think, um, anymore with Toy Story is creativity. Four of a franchise is just too many of a franchise. Toy Story 1, it was so creative. It was a revelation. And now these movies, they can still be well done. And this one is. It's well told. It just can't feel new anymore. Even as they try to infuse some modern talent, uh, Key and Peele are, are kind of funny in it. Um, they have a cinema fan favorite with Keanu Reeves voicing a motorcycle guy. Apparently he's actually like a really into motorcycles in real life, which is uh, kind of funny. There's this new character, Forky, who's now like establishing his own Disney Plus empire, and he's pretty funny. But you've, you've seen it before. Um, it's good on its own, but it's hard to evaluate it on its own. So I liked the movie. I just didn't feel, I wasn't, that magic is gone. Um, but it's, I, I think it's going to win. I think it's a pretty heavy favorite to win the category. If I was picking though, um, my favorite was I Lost My Body. For me, this was the most interesting animated film of the year. I'm really pleased it was nominated. It's available on Netflix. Um, so you can watch that. Uh, they acquired it from Cannes. This is a hand-drawn French film. And it uses the framing of a hand that's been separated from its body and is trying to reunite. And, and it uses that framing to tell a love story, a story about moving beyond tragedy. It's really tight. Uh, 82 breezy minutes. It's quite interesting, quite good. I think I found the storytelling to be very thoughtful and well-constructed. Every little detail in it has meaning. So there's one motif that kind of returns throughout the movie of a fly and it continues to come back and it ends up actually factoring into the plot the structuring throughout is i found it very intentional and rewarding and so i hope this wins i also want to give a shout out to the soundtrack which is beautifully scored um, i'll talk about that probably when we talk about score so my pick would be i lost my body i think the favorite to win in this category though is is hugely to toy story 4 so 
We'll see what happens, but overall, not one of the stronger categories this year. It's one of the ones that I usually look forward to the most. Some some decent entries, but I think there's been stronger years in animated feature. But we had to we had to have a little dip somewhere because it's been such a good mo- year for movies overall. So that's it. That's my episode on animation. I hope you uh, liked listening in. Again, if you haven't subscribed yet or haven't had a chance to leave a review, really helps me. I would really appreciate it. And I will talk to you on Monday. Thank you uh, for tuning in and, and have a great weekend.